Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Under Stephen Guibault's plan, we would have had to call him to get permission to be doing something to bring new power on. That's how absurd it is for the environment minister federally to think that they can intervene when we have these kinds of situations develop. It's very fluid. You have to be able to respond quickly. And it's certainly not within their governance competence or their constitutional authority. Premier Daniel Smith talking about the non-relationship that exists between the federal government and Alberta. We'll get into that a little bit uh, later because the premier is in the news again this week because of her um, talking to former Fox News show host um, Tucker Carlson. But we're going to begin with this story out of Edmonton. On Tuesday, and I was wondering during the week, why isn't this getting more attention? On Tuesday, 28-year-old Bezhani Sarvar is alleged to have entered Edmonton City Hall. I'm sure most of you have heard this. Carrying a long gun and incendiary devices. Sarvar, according to the Edmonton police in their statement, quote, once inside City Hall, he lit several handheld incendiary devices believed to be Molotov cocktails that caused one small fire outside an elevator. He then fired several shots from a long gun into the ceiling walls and windows, end quote. There's reported to be a video, and Joe Warmington writes about this, in uh, the Toronto Sun and in a column which also appeared in the Edmonton Sun, in which Sarvar is believed to be heard saying this genocide that's going on in Gaza and throughout the world. That's what he cites for one of his reasons for doing what he did. The voice on the video includes, we will rise up against you guys and we'll put you on trial. This is all alleged. He then allegedly rambles on about climate change, taxes, and a lot more. My good friend Joe Warmington wondered why this assault at Edmonton City Hall has received so little attention nationally. And Joe's column is headlined, This was a jihad-like terror attack in Canada that no one seems to know about. Joe Warmington joins us. I think the voice is a bit better this weekend, Joe. It was better this morning than it is now, but it's coming back. How are you? I'm doing, doing okay. Yeah, you sound great. Uh, it's, uh, as you described so well, uh, I was really surprised. I was busy actually working on the Tucker appearance in Calgary and Edmonton and, and, and the like of that. Uh, and I kind of missed this story as well. And I did hear something that happened. It, it just seemed like, oh, shucks, there was a little event and a little discharge there. When I started looking into it, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was no different than the terror attack on Nathan Cirillo or the one on in the Danforth, uh, on the Danforth in Toronto a couple of years back. They killed two girls and wounded 13 others. It was similar in sort of um, planning and execution to what happened in Ottawa earlier this year or last year. The young person was charged with, with bombs and, and things like that. And there's been other things, too. Uh, the only thing that didn't happen was that no one was killed, but I've covered many straight bullet, you know, killings. It was not for lack of trying. Now, there was children in the city hall, the mayor and council were meeting, Roy, in, in the uh, council chambers. I mean, this is as serious as it can get. And, you know, it was downplayed. And, and you know, once I sort of pointed that out, I think people started to 
get on the ball. Sometimes the media is asleep, and I think they were here. You know, I was thinking um, this could have turned into a particularly nasty situation, worse than it was, because Sarvar uh, did surrender to a commissioner. He's also a, was employed by the commissioners, but he surrendered to an unarmed commissioner. But can you imagine if he had been setting off Molotov cocktails and firing a long gun and police officers had arrived on the scene? I can't imagine it because that's exactly what he said he was going to do. And in his manifesto, he said if he doesn't complete his mission, maybe you know others will. One thing that concerned me, and I like to, you know, I, I have great respect for Chief McPhee in Edmonton. But the one thing he said was that you know they think that he acted alone. I don't know how they know that. I kept hearing that acted alone, lone wolf, mental health, all that stuff. Every time one of these people uh, go out there with a, a gun, in the case of you know the Danforth or the case of uh, the one in Ottawa, which we saw, um, you know, where we lost Nathan Cirillo. I actually was there for that, and I drove from Montreal, where I was there for Patrice Vincent, who was run over by a car in that. Two days uh, earlier. It, yeah, it was right right before that. And the alleged um, killer in that had a, you know, a whole agenda, just like the guy in um, the case with Cirillo. So, you know, I think we, we have to sort of, instead of just sort of looking for the best in all these things and say, well, you know, these are, you know, one-off kind of things, lone wolves. I, I don't believe that. And I would rather the police tell us straight about what it is and, and let's dive right into it and see where it's coming from. Um, you know, we've been talking, you and I have been talking about the escalation towards the Jewish community. We're seeing it over and over and over. And it's been, uh, you know, kind of uh, treated like it wasn't happening. Well, there, this happened, and I don't know why it wasn't a bigger story. Yeah, I think it is now. I think people are aware of it now, but, you know, it's, it's pretty serious. This guy apparently was from Afghanistan, came in uh, 2012. He was a commissioner. Interesting, Roy, that the commissioner who got him to surrender was a former Canadian Forces uh, member who had some tactical training, knew what to do. Luckily for all of us and for the people of Edmonton, that he was there. Uh, another thing that a, a commissioner a source told me that as a commissioner at some of these uh, places, including at the RCMP, they have them and at different places, there's a computer system that goes into deal with the military bases and different things like that. There's lots of information. So I would like to know everything about this guy alleged uh, before the courts now you know, uh, hopefully check his computer uh, record to see what he looked into and mm -hmm. what information he may have and if he shared it with anybody. Do you think, because I'm, I'm thinking back to um, Corporal Cirillo, and uh, two days earlier, the the Quebec warrant officer who was run over and killed. Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, Vincent. Um, do you think we've become, I don't want to use the word complacent, but are we nearing complacency? These incidents happen and we don't pay nearly as much. We're not, we're not as emotionally and, and directly engaged as we were a number of years ago. Have we become... An interesting question that you, you're raising there. Uh, I think there's an element of that, although I don't think that's it. I think that the, the political class is worried about votes. That We saw that and we've seen that with the October 7th thing. But they're mistaken to think that anybody that comes from other parts of the world want 
to support somebody that's going to attack innocent people in a city hall. That's just not true. I mean, it's it's a narrative that's it's false. And so we'd be better to stop with that nonsense. We're all Canadian. We can't stand for this. And, you know, eventually, I think they want as much done behind the scenes, little quiet court hearings, and maybe deal with it sort of, and not to say that they're going to let anybody away with it, but, you know, you saw what, the way they treated Tamara Leach, the 50 days. You saw the, you know, the coots, and I don't know, again, I'm not judging it, the coots thing, we haven't been able to see what the, you know, is covered in the court ban or the, whatever you call it, publication ban. But but it's it's interesting how, some things are treated so, you know, with such a harsh glove, if you will, harsh fist. And then there's things like this that are kind of like, oh, shucks, uh, what happened? I don't want to cover Edmonton. I don't think I should have to cover Edmonton, but I did because I didn't have enough information. And that's kind of what I do, Roy. If I don't understand what's happened, then I dive in and I cover it myself. And then I make my, my point. I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody and I certainly don't want to convict anybody, but... This did happen. It was at Edmonton City Hall. The mayor was there um, and, and and the council. And there was uh, kindergarten and grade one students on a tour. Yeah, that's really so, scary. You know, we, we have to, uh, you know, we have to, to talk about it. And I think that's good that we are. Yeah. And I'm glad that you uh, wrote what you wrote. I was actually speaking with, uh, with a colleague at uh, Chorus Radio shortly after it happened, just as the first reports came out. And then I was watching very closely over the next number of days, and I thought, well, um, there's not very much, there's not that much being said. It's being reported on, but there's not that much being said. So I thought, well, by the time I get to the weekend, I'm going to have a closer look. And then I read your story. Well, you saw the cabinet ministers have plenty to say about what Tucker Carlson said. Oh, yeah. About, you yeah. know, Daniel Smith, who was on your show, basically saying the same things that she and and Mr. Trudeau, Mr. Trudeau talking about uh, or, or tweeting about having attended the Professional Women's Hockey League game, right? Um, it, it, right after that uh, incident at Edmonton City Hall, he he tweeted about the, the Professional Women's Hockey League game, which is great. But where's the concern about what happened at Edmonton City Hall? It, it's it, it's mind-boggling to me that there's people in government, that's their job to look after the country, the safety of the people in the country. Yeah. I think that, you know, that there's some sort of uh, benefit, if you will, to not getting all the information out there. But Joe, but, Joe, Joe, you know, you and I, you and I both know, like, you know, over a number of years now, when an incident has happened where the average person might say, hey, maybe that's terrorism. What you've often heard the politicians say as a default response, oh, he was an individual with mental health problems. Oh, yeah. And then, it, then it's supposed to all go away. And quite often it does all go away. It shouldn't, but it does. No, it's, it, it, it's really, really horrible. And, you know, as I was just about to say, they, on Facebook, uh, different social media they've got is banned. So we can't even put, if I want to put my report that I, you know, have written on Facebook, nobody can, it won't stay on there. It's, it's somehow censored. It's that bill was at C21 or whatever the hell it was. Anyway, you know, all these kind oh, of, that was the kind of legislation. Say, you've got this censorship thing. They say, well, it's for to protect Canada. It's not protecting Canada. If it wasn't for Roy Green. And you know, you know what I noticed is that all the people that point these things out are all around either 60 years old in that, in that range or up. Everybody below that, the media party, 
you know, whoever's there, they're not covering stories. They, they, if it's not on Facebook, which it can't be now because of the censorship thing, or TikTok, they're not interested in it. Pick up the phone, make a phone call. And, you know, the police didn't cover this up. They, they put out what they had. But a lot of the media reports did not put in about the manifesto. They did not put in about the SKS weapon. They did not talk about Molotov cocktails and, and the like of that. So, you know, I don't know what, like, I know that I've talked to people that lived in places like the Soviet Union. Many of them are my neighbors around here. They're you know, parents of uh, kids that go to school with my son. And, and we talk about what they grew up with. And they said, that's the kind of thing that would happen there. They're, it would you'd only hear what they wanted you to hear and it reminds them of that and it scares the hell out of them they didn't come here to have a life that is censored i've and, heard i've heard that too joe i've heard that too. yeah so so that's why we do what we do i mean we're not whatever time we've got left uh in our you know media careers and lives we will spend doing that it's just like me bringing out the stuff about you know today this uh, rape crisis center sponsoring people that were promoting uh, an event and doing a poster thing for Hamas. You know, again, like, like I mean, it's so disturbing that you can't even believe it's real. And yeah. there it is. I mean, and so, you know, if you don't have uh, sort of legacy media, I mean, there's lots of social media that do a great job. And I always say social media wants to be legacy media and legacy media wants to be social media. But in the middle, there has to be some common sense and some, you know, common truth. And that's what we try to do. Tucker Carlson in Alberta this week raised all sorts of ruckus from people who didn't want him there. Uh, confession time. I watched him on Fox News occasionally, and then I got tired of the act, and I didn't anymore. But he, there are people, uh, federal liberals, who are particularly upset. What's going on here? You hear the well, beeping? I think what Tucker We've got some beeping going on here. Yeah, we're getting ready for a big hockey game. My son's... Uh, oh, that's you. Game. Yeah, so go ahead. Give us your perspective on, on Tucker Carlson yeah, and, yeah, in so the Calgary. I, okay. Tucker, what Tucker is um, trying to, to, to say and, and to achieve here in Canada is to say, look, all these narratives that come your way, you can think for yourself and say what you want to say. And he's got that, you know, a pretty good act going. Um, you know, it was a really easy story to write because we knew that he would come in and say things like suggesting that the prime minister is in the closet and, you know, these kind of uh, things that are just like ridiculous things to say. But they're free speech kind of, uh, you know, like he's, he's using the free speech that most Canadians are afraid to use and that are sort of beaten down, if you will. So, Joe, but the question that I'm seeing from uh, from some listeners in Alberta is, should Premier Smith have stayed, have been in his presence? That's what Alberta listeners are asking. No, she's the Premier, and this is the biggest media person in the world or in North America. He's got, you know, millions and millions of followers on X and all of that. And, you know, it was an evening of free speech and free thoughts and, and debate and hear what he has to say. We can't get to a point where, you know, they get to control everything out of everyone's mouth. And some people are going to be offended. That's part of it. Lots of people are offensive on all sides. And, and you know, it's funny how it's only one side seems to always be the one that's offended. Uh, you don't have to like everything that Tucker Carlson does or Daniel Smith does or Prime Minister Trudeau does or Donald Trump does. But they're human beings. They're out there serving. And you can weigh it and debate it. And that's what I think what we try to remind people. You know, he was, he was also, he was in Montreal as well. And there he said the Quebec had been largely cleansed 
of its Anglo legacy. Now, I can tell you this, as an Anglo who largely grew up in Quebec before French language primacy was established by legislation and who lived in Quebec for nine years recently, my civil rights were violated each day in Quebec and by legislation and because I'm an Anglo. When I would raise that point, people would look at me like, what are you talking about? Because they had been, they'd been there for so much longer than me and they were used to it. I wasn't used to it. Services were not provided to me as readily in English as they would have been in French. As readily as in Ontario or the rest of Canada, perhaps, you can get services in French uh, if, you're, if you're francophone. In, because I was an Anglophone in Quebec, I ran into quite regularly situations supported by the French language primacy legislation, which put me in the back seat. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that, that Carlson talked about. <laughs> you just said what Tucker said. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, I said a lot of I, things, Joe. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think that it's, it's a positive thing that you said it. I think it's positive that Tucker said it. And if you don't like it, uh, you can always uh, not listen or you can debate it. Yeah. But, you, you know, you shouldn't be censoring it and shutting it down. Okay, I think that's friend. the overall point. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Joe. Thanks. All the best, Roy. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.